The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Hello and welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock. I'm joined in the studio today by fellow certified financial planners, Tony Payne and Spencer Hager. How are we doing today, gentlemen? I'm good, man. Two weeks in a row. Feeling good. Good topics. Should be fun. You're superstar, Spencer. We love you. <laughs> yeah. It's another great day for financial planning. It the sure sun's is, shining, yeah. or at least it is today. I've got a great group here. I'm excited. Just skip We're Tony on the fun. next one, man. It's the same every time. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm excited. <laughs> it's good to be excited. Yeah. Because uh, we have a topic today for a lot of people that's anything but. But hopefully through through how we go about this today, we can make it as light as possible, maybe as approachable as possible, because that, that's, that's helpful. But uh, before we get into what that is, uh, the, the topic for today, I uh, want to start with a question, like I do get the juices flowing a little bit. And uh, Tony, you actually conveniently asked this one beforehand. It's where my mind was, uh, what's the plan for Halloween, gentlemen? We uh, we dressing up? We going anywhere, getting candy? To my knowledge, I have no plans, so. You think you're better than me? Uh, well, I wouldn't say that, but no. <laughs> but, but he wouldn't it. say it. Anyway. I, I saw it in your eyes. Uh, no, uh, no costume <laughs> plans. No, no trick or treat. I'll watch a couple of movies. I'm, I always try and bust out a handful of good Halloween movies in October. But okay, pretty boring response, Tony. I think my wife and I are going to go out. I think she's got us picked out as a vampire Very and cool. a vampiress. I think I don't uh, know. That's Maybe probably a, right. Yeah. So that, it should be fun. How about you, Cole? Uh, I love it. Uh, so my wife, she has a friend that lives in Michigan who's super into into Halloween. So uh, we'll we'll be driving up there, I think, uh, sa- uh, Sunday, maybe. Um, and I'll be the uh, caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland. My <laughs> wife will be the Mad Hatter. Uh, Tony suggested maybe it should have been switched. Yeah, it's yeah. fair. Yeah, that's it's fair. fair. Yeah. <laughs> but very excited for it. She makes a whole thing of it. So. Uh, it'll be a good time. Exactly. We get to enjoy the holidays, too, and be people, and this is the fun stuff, aside from these morbid talk- topics you brought mm-hmm. up today, Cole. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. We're, we're people, too. Um, but as we're coming up on the spookiest holiday of the year, <laughs> you like that, Spence? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today's topic will be about estate planning, uh, because there are a few things scarier than not having one in place. Um, oh, how I want to go about it is talking through the various pieces of an estate plan, uh, some gaps if we don't plan successfully, and maybe close with a few stories if the gaps didn't scare you enough. Um, but I promise the peace of mind and having your plan in place is treat enough for this Halloween season. Oh, I like what you did there. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, no tricks, all treats today. Um, but before we dive into the main topic, we'll start with the first segment as we normally do with current events. Uh, so the first one, interest rates again. Uh, this time we'll start on the, the housing side. Uh, so the purchase of new single-family homes decreased by just about 11%. Now that mortgage rates are up at around 7%, so the highest mortgage rate since 2001. That good, bad, sustainable? How do we feel? Uh, I mean, I think it was bound to happen at some point. So, I mean, is it great for a lot of people? No. I think it comes to the whole... 
I don't know. With the real estate aspect, the more I, I look into it, it really does seem regional to some extent, right? Mm -hmm. The way the real estate market in San Francisco or New York is not responding the same way as it is in Columbus. So I think in some spots you're seeing as rates climb up, the demand's dropping, and so the prices are also leveling out a little bit. I think as a national average, that's not really the case. So right. if the price doesn't go down because of supply issues, as the rates keep climbing up, I view it as a bad thing because you're essentially going to pinch a lot of people who aren't going to be able to afford it. If rates go up and prices drop, that's probably not a terribly unhealthy thing. Yeah, that's what you'd expect from economics. Yeah, right. So what do you think, Tony? When do you think millennials will be allowed to buy their first home? <laughs> Hopefully soon, but we'll see. I mean, again, it's all independent. We know that. Of course. I mean, what Spencer said, I think, is very true because this is the Fed's doing. They were mm -hmm. maybe asleep at the wheel for the last decade or so, leaving rates so low, and they decided, well, we're going to increase rates. That'll slow down the economy. Housing's almost 40% of the inflation we've been seeing. And again, these are trailing indicators. So we may be seeing or coming into the beginning of something now where it makes a lot of sense that things will decline, and the numbers just haven't indicated that yet. Okay, that sounds promising. I don't know. I, I feel like you thought I gave a politically correct answer there, Cole. I mean, what do you think? I kind of view it as it is what it is, unfortunately. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's that's exactly it, yeah. right? So there's nothing we as the, the little guy can do about it. We just have to sit on the sidelines, wait to see what happens. Uh, but generally speaking, economically, what you said makes all the sense in the world. Things should start to trail down as interest rates continue to increase. And we've been here before with interest rates mm -hmm. this high. I know it feels new for a lot of people. I think there are a lot of people just getting into the uh, home buying market, but we've seen these rates before. We'll see them again. And realistically, they'll likely come back down when some of the, the fever pitch of the inflation's uh, come to an end. I've talked to a lot of real estate professionals. I don't claim to be one, but you kind of... What I've heard from a lot of those people is that the market in general could take an ice bath, how hot everything's been running with the real mm -hmm. estate market. And once again, that kind of is the other piece that I've been talking to more and more people about. I get this vibe that people are a little bit nervous to jump in and buy a home at this point if they can't afford it because they're right. afraid they're buying in at an inflated price, sure. right? And they want to wait. And it's like, once again, I've also talked to several people in Ohio and other in Texas, right? They're mm -hmm. not so confident that those regions are going to take the ice bath. So that's kind of the other piece that you are going to squeeze some people, but I also don't view this as be afraid to jump in if you can afford it because I don't have any sort of certainty it's going to drop off. Well, there's definitely just the basics of supply and demand, mm -hmm. and we sure. know regardless of maybe what interest rates are doing, yeah. there's still a big need for housing in a lot Absolutely. of areas. Right. So the idea that market forces are at play here, that may be the case too, as much as the Fed wants to slow things down. Yeah. I actually saw a study last week that suggested, I think it was between 2010 and 2019, uh, new home development uh, basically dropped off a cliff. So no one is building new homes for a decade, and that's part of why we're seeing what we're seeing right now. Yeah, our, I've heard that too. Our good friends to the north in Canada and Ontario are starting to change some of their conservation laws and zoning laws just for that very issue. They hadn't been building a lot of new housing. They ran into the same kind of housing mm -hmm. crunch, and here they are changing the rules to try to make more houses. Well, we'll see where the future takes us. Then. Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, that's that's the borrowing side of the ledger when we think interest rates. Uh, how about the, the savings sign? That one gets a little bit more exciting for people. 
Uh, so I think there are some banks out there, some online savings accounts offering over 2%. But Tony, you found something pretty unique earlier. Want to tell me about that? Yeah, well, there, every day we know it. There's a whole region of the economy called fintech, financial technologies. Mm -hmm. And within fintech, there are a bunch of wizards out there using their <laughs> spreadsheets and their gadgets, trying yep. to come up with the best way to invent the mousetrap all over again. And there are ways to earn higher interest rates at times, move money around. That's one of the tools we saw. This one was actually offering almost 3.5%, I think. And, again, it's just one of these new ideas. It's an online bank. This one actually says it's a bank. Mm -hmm. um, again, we'll let people find it on their own here. But the idea that you've got to be mindful where your money's at because there are new tools that are out there that may not be vetted, and there may be very, very old tools out there that you've got to use something better. And that's very important because there have been a, a few that weren't necessarily banks, and we saw those go under uh, file for bankruptcy. Uh, not naming names, but <laughs> same idea. You can find them. Um, if you want to make sure that you know what you're doing, you're looking at FDIC insurance. You're taking care of your money. You're being a good steward of it. Uh, so we have a, a few uh, few more seconds here. How about GDP? Exciting Ooh, news? That was exciting. Up a little bit, right? I'll, I mean, I'll call a win a win. It came in at 2.6% for Q3. They were expecting 2.3%. Yeah. So I... To be honest, expected it to underperform based on the headlines recently. Right there with you. So, right, yep. I'll, like I said, call a win a win. It's better than a negative third quarter. Absolutely. So we'll take it. Optimism wins. We'll see where that carries us into the fourth quarter of the year. But we are coming up on our first break. When we come back, we'll get into the main topic for today, estate planning. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. <laughs> You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. As your host, Cole Hammock. Uh, for those just joining us, you're coming in at a great time as we're discussing estate planning today. We'll be getting into the documents and gaps in the coming segments as well. Uh, and I, I want to go through this in a very deliberate, segmented way because I know estate planning can be confusing enough without jumping around a lot. So we'll focus one document at a time. Hopefully, uh, us going through this will make the topic more approachable for our listeners because I know this is hard enough to think about, let alone talk about, and that's part of why it's so important. So the first document, and I'll just lead off with a document, so what it is, what it does, why it's important. And then we can talk through that, talk through gaps, kind of how I want to treat this. So I think most people, when they think estate plan, the first document that probably comes to mind is the last will and testament. So I think simply stated, that's the who does what, who's the executor, who gets what, who's the beneficiary, and who takes care of the kids if we're unable. So who's the guardians? We probably want to have this document in place, right? That sounds pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I made a good argument. Yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, there, if that's what it does, and that is what it does in most cases, that's pretty much what you built your life around. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the legacy for a lot of people. I mean, I think with the state planning, I think reality is just being pr practical and candid about it. I think everyone just thinks they're going to live forever, and I've talked to plenty of people who say, I am. I'm dead. Who cares, right? They'll take what they can get, and they'll be happy about it, right? And then yep. it's kind of that, that mentality and I think the underlying message is going to be get it in place because things happen. And right, I just think most people don't want to think about it, don't want to worry about it. Yeah. 
Well, to that point, what happens if you pass without a will? What does that mean? There's a fancy term for that. Intestate? Yeah, exactly. Intestate, which there's already an estate plan built for you. (laughs) It just goes along the state's rules, right? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's estate plans there. If you trust the state and you trust the lineage and the bloodlines Mm -hmm. and the way these rules were written years ago, if you trust all that, you've got your estate plan done. So you should have a firm grasp on what the uh, definition of next of kin means? Yes, exactly. And next of kin after there's not an obvious brother, sister as well, or child. Mm -hmm. It gets pretty complex. Absolutely. Yeah, the the list is pretty wild. Um, And I'll I'll just talk from a a personal experience here because... I was listening back on last year's show, which actually lined up perfectly uh, on Halloween when it aired. We'll be coming in a day before Halloween, but uh, Craig was the host of that one. and uh, He brings up often how he's a product of good financial planning. And I don't want to say necessarily that I'm a product of bad financial planning, but I sure didn't have the same background as he did. Um, so my dad passed not all that long ago without a will. Uh, and for our listeners here, I'll tell you right now, it sucks. <laughs> He divorced, didn't remarry, and I'm his oldest child. So uh, rather than an executor, I was the administrator of the estate. And that requires a lot of paperwork, a lot of time. And for an estate that couldn't have had more than $5,000, it took me eight months to unravel. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No bueno. You've got those broad (laughs) shoulders, Cole. Good job. But, man, that's a lot. That's a lot. Absolutely. So I don't recommend that for anybody. We may feel invincible. Some days I think I am, but at the end of the day, we're not. We just want to make things easier for those we leave behind. That's what this is about. Yeah, exactly. You'll have enough going on, or the family will have enough going on. You won't have much going on. You'll be in the ground. But you're, you're right. Your you're family right. will. <laughs> and if you really want to work ahead and do the right things here, having a will seems like one of the most basic documents to have. Yeah, and I think the importance of it varies on what stage of life you're in. I, I know we kind of touched on it. Because reality is when you're in your – if you don't have kids, the guardianship provision may not even be in your will. Right? Sure. Just, right. right. Why have it if you don't have guard- – kids that need a guardian so that's kind of the first piece generally when people have kids the will is more important mm-hmm. then the next piece is you know who's going to be the executor how are you going to divvy up your estate some of that stuff you can do without the will right like a 401k doesn't sure. necessarily need Contract to pass assets. a will right exactly right. life insurance name a beneficiary the other piece too is if you have heirlooms valuables right i've seen some people where they don't list anything and i've seen some people where it's they literally everything. 15 things i want my yep. I want my kung fu collection to go to this person. I want my necklace that I received from my grandma to go to this person. Mm-hmm. So it can be really, really hands-on, or it can be four pages. You get something in writing, and that's all it is, updated in five years. Is What was it, a, a Lego Millennium Falcon? Is that on that list, Spencer? Lego Death Star. It's Death Star. That was close. <laughs> you won't let that go, will you, Cole? Yeah. I love it. Man, share something. Here you go. Okay. All right. I think all we right. might have all been on that show, too. Yeah, yeah we exactly. were. We just keep yeah. the A-team back together. Uh, and uh, just one more thing on the will side. It becomes even more important in the event of a blended or modern family, which 2022, that's the norm anymore. Uh, so making sure that things pass the way you'd want them to pass, we're providing for the people that make sense to provide for, want to have that in writing. 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, more specifics there, too. I mean, again, next of kin was that phrase you used earlier. Mm -hmm. And depending upon where you're at or what your relations are, whether it's a blood family member, someone you've adopted, someone that is just a good friend that's part of the family in your mind, you've got to make sure you take control of this. And that's where the estate plan and updating these documents really comes into play. Well said. Well, what's, uh, what's the next document? What else do we want to bring up, gentlemen? I always jump to the powers of attorney next. I think the trust is maybe the next segment because how in-depth that is. But usually mm-hmm. the two of them, I'll start with the financial power of attorney. Right, that's Reality is that's kind of before the will is going to kick into place. You get the financial right. and the healthcare power of attorney because if something happens to you, you're incapacitated. Right? Say it's a, I don't know, an accident, you're in a coma, or you just can't manage your bills. Right, You can name an agent as the financial power of attorney, and you can put it to either be in effect today where they get access to help manage your finances, or you can do like a springing financial power of attorney, which only kicks into effect when you become incapacitated. But it's essentially someone who's going to come in, pay your bills, can access your bank accounts, help facilitate things while you're incapacitated. So arguably one of the most powerful documents there are out there. I would say the main four excluding the trust are all extremely important. For sure. And to clarify a little, too, because you said, I mean, it's such a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. There's different ones. There's different caveats, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea of is it just a power of attorney for everyday life? You know, I'm a busy business owner. I've got 10 companies. I need people to sign things on my behalf. Or is it when I get in a coma, maybe, and I can't handle things, and Mm -hmm. then I want it to come into power both of those are possible, and that's where reviewing with your attorney and stating what is it that I want to have happen is really important. I'm glad you bring that up because I've seen a lot of instances, people, uh, members of the armed forces, they may have a limited power of attorney that only comes into effect if something happens while they're overseas or while they're deployed. Yeah. It's really important. I mean, this is part of being able to file tax returns on time, open or close bank accounts, sell a property, hire a new property manager if you're overseas. There's a lot that could go into this. Absolutely. And it's so important that, one, we have it in place, whether it's the the durable power of attorney or a general power of attorney or uh, springing, as you guys had mentioned. Um, We want to make sure that we're picking someone that we trust within that power of attorney role. Yeah, I would also say thing about proximity. I think the most common reason why I see the uh, financial power of attorney you need to update it is because you named a family member, whether it's a kid, sibling, parent, whatever it is. Either A, you don't feel confident they're in a capacity to act in that role, or it's, you know, I named my brother at the time. He lived in the same city as me. Now he lives in Washington. I live in Ohio, right? Sure. That could work, and if that's the best case, good for you. But if it's not and you can name someone closer – because they're going to have to be pretty hands-on, that's a big consideration. Great point. And I think one more thing to that, uh, it, it's one of those where should go without saying, but we'll say it, notify the people that are fulfilling these roles. Talk yeah. to them first, because there are a lot of times where you think someone will do it, you think they're a good fit for it, but you find out later they had no idea. <laughs> we don't want to run into that situation, but unfortunately we're coming up on a hard break here. We'll continue the conversation when we return. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is your host, Cole Hammock. I'm here in the studio with fellow certified financial planners, Tony Payne and Spencer Hager. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Managing to Be Wealthy and John E. Sestina and Company, you can contact us at 614 614- 
326-3077 or visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. If you'd like a complimentary consultation with one of our planners, fill out a brief questionnaire. We'll set up a time to meet with you and go from there. You can also uh, find and listen to our previous podcasts and see information about our team. So go on, click around, and hopefully take action. Um, before we left for the last break, where were we, gentlemen? We were just talking about financial power of attorneys. Mm-hmm. I think the logical transition then is to the medical side of things, so medical directives. There's a couple of these out there, the health care power of attorney, the living will. Some states may blend them. Some states will call them something slightly different. Yeah. But the main idea is if you are incapacitated, who can make medical decisions on your behalf? And what decisions might you want them to make? I mean, if you can summarize those things and put those on, put those in writing or in your document, that's what's going to guide the people who are really taking care of you when you can't talk or speak up for yourself. So super important is, important is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I understand people could take the attitude, well, I'm out of it. I may not care, but mm-hmm. you've got to worry about the people who are making those decisions, whether it's a spouse or children. I mean, if we're talking about life and death, which we are, those are some pretty weighty decisions, let alone maybe some guilt factors that could be hanging around. If you said, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to lay any document out. I'll mm-hmm. let them decide. Lay out your wishes and then they can execute them. Absolutely. And even them decide if there's no documents, them is oftentimes the court, right? So sometimes family, they may be able to appeal the court or maybe the hospital directly to be able to make those decisions. But that could be time you don't have. Have you ever met a hospital's lawyer? (laughs) Uh, No, but I love where this is going. No, no. I mean, you talk about scary things in Halloween. I mean, you're in the hospital, you want to get something done, and it's not the person in the white coat that shows up. It's the person in the black suit jacket that shows up. I'm telling you, there's heartache behind that and a lot of frustration. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to get started, really. But these are the things that you can avoid when you have the documents laid out. They're on file. You Maybe you take the steps to file them with a county recorder. You put them on file with your local hospital or your doctor. But you can really spell out your wishes here so that a hospital lawyer stays in their office. Yeah, this one in the financial, I know we kind of keep joking about the spooky and and Halloween thing, but the will does as well, don't get me wrong, especially Mm -hmm. with blended families, that does kind of scare me and arguments that could take place. This one just, I've heard a couple stories, not any that I'm willing to really share, but just, I don't know, it does kind of give you the chills, and thankfully I already had mine in place, but it's the same deal, it's the same feeling I get when people... You know, I don't know, get in a big accident, have a massive bill, mm-hmm. hit their table, and they didn't have the cash reserve. I don't get scared about it, but it's just, I'm like, thank God I have the cash reserve. I wouldn't be in a stressed out position. This is, you know, 100 times that. But uh, absolutely. The other point with this, other than just naming an agent, you can also put things in there like organ donations, anatomical gifts. So mm-hmm. once again, not everyone does that. A lot of times people don't, but you can also. Be hands-on with that to say, you know, what you're comfortable, you know, having people, you know, harvest and donate. Or if you don't want anyone to do that, you can put that in clear writing as well. Right. It's all about control. Whether you want it, you don't want it. Specify what your wishes are, and there you go. Excellent. Well, that's – so in that case, for the most part, that was the health care power of attorney. So the living will differs just a little bit, and this is the one that I would lovingly call the the pull-the-plug document. So that is very clearly stating this is what I want to have happen if something happens to me. It's like the proactive DNR, essentially. If if you're not awake and able to sign the DNR, it's you did it ahead of time if you're actually in that position. 
DNR stands for do not resuscitate. Sorry. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> um, although to be clear, the the distinction between the two is this is withhold or withdraw life sustaining treatment if in a permanently unconscious state. DNR just says maybe you're you're out. You had a heart attack and they can't do the paddles. So you have to be very careful. You yeah. know what you're signing. You know what you're doing because you might not come back. You could be a menacing character and say, use everything in your power, all your money, all of my everything. Keep me alive for those eight extra hours, please. You could do that, I guess. But that's the point about having control, for how sure. we can kind of laugh about this, make light, because you get to say what you want to have happen. I'm repeating myself, but that's the theme here. Mm -hmm. You get control beyond the grave. Absolutely. And the, the making light of it, I like that part because when things are healthy, people are well. This is the time to have that conversation when we can make it light. It's after things happen. It becomes a lot more difficult. Well, I still think back to different times in my life where people have shared a diagnosis with me or something really sure. heavy, and I can't help it. The financial planning brain goes off to think, was this done? Was that done? Are these in place? And now's not the time to ask that. It's right. a time to be a person and say, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. How is everybody doing? How are you feeling? But if you're working proactively, hopefully all these things are in place before something bad pops up. Absolutely. Very good. All right. Well, we talked the main four documents in some states. Maybe it's three if those last two are merged. Let's make things a little bit more complex. So, Spencer, you had referenced <laughs> trusts before. Mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the first direction we want to go with? There's a couple Dealer's of choice. Yeah. Um, so most popular, most people think of is a revocable living trust. Once again, not to go way down the rabbit hole here, but you could technically do a trust in your will. It's called a testamentary trust. So mm -hmm. you can also put some guardrails. Once again, I think it kind of depends on what stage of life you're in. So a lot of times if you have young children, the thought of you passing in them or a trustee Handling the reins until they reach age majority and then they inherit everything can be a little bit of a spooky prospect. So right, you can either do that in a testamentary trust, in a will, or you can do a separate revocable living trust. And you can put some uh, guardrails on there to say when you want people to inherit what. But I, I tend to think of it as like a layering on top of the will or la another layer within the will. Great point. So now I, th I think because you bring up the, the two primary ones, the testamentary uh, and the, the, the revocable trust or the living trust. So I, I think now's probably a good time to bring up probate. So what that is, what that means, because that can help make the decision between which one may be more appropriate. And of course, we want to make sure we're working with an attorney for these. That's, that's priority number one. Um, but probate, just to say at the, the bullet point checklist, is it's timely, it's generally costly, and it's a public process. So again, going back to my dad's example, I was dealing with the probate court. Timely was eight months if he had any assets of actual value. I think the state of Ohio, anywhere between 2 to 5% of that probate estate would go out in attorney fees. And it's a public process. Everything's done, it's recorded, and that's available to the public. And part of this, too, is not just, and you said timely, it's time-consuming yes. for the person who has to do it, get off and do all that running around. But then it is a court process. I mean, you've mm -hmm. got to get time on the court's docket. And depending upon where you're at and which county you're at, that story you're sharing, Cole, is repeated over and over sure. where these courts are back sometimes eight, ten months. So you might have something that seems very clear, but it's not, and you have to go to the courts, and just getting them involved stretches it out. Absolutely. 
So to that point, if you're in a state that's maybe not friendly when it comes to probate, and we can determine that maybe it's Google, but primarily with an attorney, then you might consider that revocable trust realm. Still gives you control beyond the grave. You're protecting your children from themselves, what I like to say. Um, but what I heard recently is if you don't trust, consider a trust. Well, I like that one. It <laughs> makes sense to me. <laughs> so, there are a lot of instances, a lot of reasons where maybe you don't. So again, minor children, children with dependencies. Uh, maybe we don't trust the significant others, whatever it is. But uh, that trust will come in and make sure that we're protecting them. But unfortunately, we're coming up on our final break for the week. We'll continue the conversation. When we come back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock, and we're into our final segment, talking about estate plans. So before we went to the break, we were talking testamentary trusts, we are talking revocable trusts, or living trusts. And Spencer, I think you had one more point you wanted to bring up on the revocable trust before we move on? Yeah, I'll make it super brief. I just, last thing I was thinking with this is I once again view it as like a two-phase process at least. The first one, everyone thinks of it because of the control on the kids if something happens, mm-hmm. inheriting it. The next common question I get is, you know, my kids are past the age majority now. Do I really still need this trust? At that point, I tend to think of it as almost like a convenience tool. It's a big umbrella where if you have a bunch of those contract assets, like a 401k, a life insurance policy, if you're having to switch it up every five years where now there's grandchildren that we want to incorporate, if you have 10, 15, 20 different accounts, assets, insurance policies out there, it seems like a huge hassle to update each one of those accounts to make sure you put it perfectly to name the grandchildren or someone else. I hear what you're saying. Whereas if it's, okay, I've already got the trust listed as the beneficiary. Now I just need to go update the trust and get that language in there. It's a great point. Right. It's kind of, it almost becomes a convenience tool at that point. In my opinion, an attorney can definitely have the final say, (laughs) but last thing on that. Good, good disclaimer at the end. there. Yeah. (laughs) It makes great sense. And this is where we can point people hopefully in the right direction to ask the right questions of the experts. Yeah. I mean, to know a little bit about these tools mm-hmm. and then ask the right questions, hopefully. Absolutely. And hopefully uh, dispel some of the legalese because, again, they're, they're confusing. I think they're deliberately confusing. So uh, if we can help make sense of some of these things, we're doing a good job today. It's almost like the celebrity thing at this point. Like, to your point, Tony, every time I hear celebrity passes, I, I, I think to myself, is there going to be some estate planning <laughs> story that comes out? I just wish everyone would get it done because – I'd be lying if I said I thought this was the most fascinating topic in the world. So it's like if everyone just got it taken care of and there were no more celebrity stories. Let it collect dust. Don't have to worry about it ever again. Exactly. Easy peasy. But unfortunately, not the case. (laughs) (laughs) So we need to plan accordingly. And the next one's uh, really big when it comes to planning accordingly. Generally, there are very specific reasons why you should have this kind of trust. And that's an irrevocable one. So what do we know about those, Tony? Well, again, the theme of the day, control beyond the grave. I'm excited by the. I like these. I know. So that's trust. why I went to you. I mean, these are the fun. <laughs> I say the fun ones, but when you're talking generational wealth, when you're talking leaving a legacy beyond just perhaps your great life, your children, but leaving something even more perhaps impactful, you can do this charitably. 
You can do this for children. You can do this for those with special needs. You can do this with a business even. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can think about here that may exist after you're gone. And depending upon the influence you want to have after you're gone, this is the tool to do it. You know, you may still allow certain decision making and mistakes to be made and all that good stuff. But this is also a great way to protect things along many generations, or at least a couple. Absolutely. Are you thinking dynasty trust? That's <laughs> I, I, again. There's a reason why some of the families and the big names that we know from mm-hmm. some of these specials sure. of you know which people built America or whatever, their families are still very wealthy and they still have their money for a reason. Yeah, and in a lot mm-hmm. of cases, it's good estate planning. Definitely. Okay. Um, well, I know one one big drawback maybe for these irrevocable trusts is you. Uh, the point of it is to have control. But at the same time, you're also giving up control of those assets that go into an irrevocable trust. So not something to take lightly. Definitely. Yeah, once again, disclaimer, an attorney is the one who should say it. But I I don't know about you two. I always kind of think about when people get confused about should I have a revocable or irrevocable trust. I tend to think more times than not you're going to start with those basic four plus a revocable trust. And Mm -hmm. then as things get more complicated, the attorney is going to be worth their weight in gold to walk you through it. And then – Generally, the way I see it is the irrevocable comes after you've had the revocable trust and all those other in place. Well, and you kept saying it, Spencer. I like the way you phrase it. It's all about which phase of life you're in sometimes. Yeah. You know, if you've accumulated your wealth, you've built things up here, you've accumulated property, that may be the time where you know where you want things to go and what, what it's going to look like even. But while you're still building your life, you may not even know what it's going to hold. So an irrevocable mm-hmm. trust could throw up some roadblocks too and it seems ever-changing i'm sure my young voice gives me away but i know like 10 15 years ago irrevocable trusts were more popular because the estate plan law or estate tax laws and just laws in general were different so whereas i you know i work with some people who've had their estate plan completed 10 15 20 years ago you see that kind of creep in and they don't have to revamp it so i don't know five ten years from now it could be revocable trust is less popular maybe it the pendulum swings who knows well definitely when you hear some talk about medicare medicaid planning things like that there may be some need for an irrevocable trust or a want for it but there's other reasons too even gun trust these are things that may come into play for you know many different reasons where you get to your expert and tell them what your goals are and hopefully they can lead you from there absolutely well i think that the key in all that is whatever goes into that irrevocable trust we're removing from the estate. Uh, So Spencer, you brought up estate taxes. So that's really the key consideration I think that comes to my mind when I'm thinking irrevocable trust. What are we trying to avoid? What's really the purpose of that? Um, So we have the the federal estate taxes, which I think increased somewhere to the tune of $13 million per person. And then there's the state estate taxes, which is very state specific. Some more favorable, some less so. Conveniently here in Ohio, we have no state estate tax, but you should be aware of that as you're, you're planning your estate. And, and some places, like you mentioned, there are inheritance taxes, too, sure. where it may be money that's coming your way that is taxed. That's not always the case. And this, again, is part of develop a strategy while you're young and in retirement or even before then to think about where am I going to draw my money? Sometimes that may play on where do I want to leave my money? 
So this is where we know that financial planning is not just one area or another. It's looping it all together. It's that bigger picture because the investments may tie with the estate plan. It may tie in with taxes. It may tie in with what your insurance needs are. So to try to coordinate all this stuff together is where a financial planner really comes in along with your other team members. Great points. And uh, you brought up a great point I think will segue nicely into the next conversation, and that's where do we want our money to go? That's beneficiary designations by and large. So a lot of what we talked about is uh, maybe making things a little bit more complex. But at the end of the day, depending on your stage of life, Spencer, like you brought up, simple beneficiary designations can cover a lot of what it is you want to accomplish. That's not to say you shouldn't have power of attorneys, but it will simplify the, the will aspect and simplify the, the trust aspect. And how is it you spell your last name, Spencer? I want to make sure our listeners get it right who might want to list you there. That's H-A-G-A-R, like Sammy Hager. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I appreciate that. And your social? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you almost got him, Cole. Is this close? Yeah. But uh, the idea of beneficiary designations is uh, we're looking at contract assets or creating a contract asset. So that's anything that uh, has a person listed, or if you pass, they get the assets meaning that circumvents the will. It's really important. I mean, especially we talked about the modern family earlier, but if you have something out there, maybe it was a transfer on death or a beneficiary designation, and you never updated it from that prior spouse, maybe. You went through a divorce. That could be very complicated if your will says one thing, but the contract, the title says something else. Absolutely, and happens a lot more often than it should. Very spooky. (laughs) Bringing it back. But people usually don't think to to check those. But uh, whenever there's a major life event, so child born, married, divorce, someone passes, you need to revisit those beneficiary designations. Yeah, I, last thing, I know we're about to end the show, but I just always view it as why drag your feet on it? A lot of times I'll spend 30 minutes talking about rate of return with someone and mm-hmm. they don't have the estate plan done. It's just what's, what's 12% versus 8% really mean if you didn't have the, right, the estate plan locked in? Well said, sir. For sure. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have here today. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.